This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chol here on Soul to Soul. It is incredible to be here. It's an honor and a privilege. And we are four days before Lag, uh, sorry, what Lag Baomer? Shavuot. We're here four days before the giving of the Torah. Today is Rosh Chodesh. And Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos, we begin the incredible holiday of Shavuot. And following immediately after Shabbos, it's pretty much a 72-hour Chag. An incredible time to focus on the giving of the Torah and the incredible opportunity that each and every one of us have to be part of this legacy. Now, I want to start with a song because I want the song to take us on a specific theme. And this song that I chose is called Lonely People. And although Shavuot seems to be the theme of the Torah, and it obviously is the main theme of Shavuot, there's another very powerful and important theme that I want to you know, elaborate and bring about today. But let's start with this beautiful song by Mordechai and David. It's actually heart-wrenching, but beautiful. This is Lonely People on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. Lonely people. There will be no more lonely people. This is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. Our WhatsApp number is 0618951019, and you can SMS at 34519. I thought that the song is truly appropriate to the topic I want to bring about today, this idea of loneliness. One of the things that you often hear, it's one of the you know, statements and words and ideas that go around, is the difference between being alone and being lonely. It's very different, even though they seem to sound very much the same. Being alone is a good thing, spending time alone, meditating, at the same time, loneliness is terrible. It's this feeling of nobody cares. I'm al- alone in the world. Not alone in my thoughts, but I'm alone in the world. And loneliness is a tremendous challenge. And many Western countries consider it one of the biggest, if not the biggest, health challenge around because loneliness leads to an untold amount of illness and darkness and depression, etc., and therefore loneliness is actually seen, I believe it was in England, don't hold me for it, it was considered public health threat number one, loneliness. There's a beautiful ancient statement that that, uh, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Lubavitch used to quote in the name of the Chachamim HaKadmonim, the original sages, that says, Tov habdidut b'mnei adam, it's good to be alone amongst other people. And that statement really summarizes what the point is, and that is to be amongst people is so important because if a person's lonely and they have nobody around them and they have no support, that's terrible. But at the same time, to be able to be alone, to not be needy for friends, to not be needy um, for relationships, but at the same time to appreciate the relationships. The ability to be alone amongst other people. And most of us, in general, the human being, always struggles to find that golden middle, that that shvil hazahav, the golden path in the middle. So we often veer to the right or to the left. So some of us overdo our friendships, some of us underdo our friendships. Some of us place too much emphasis 
on being amongst the crowd and some of us spend too, too little effort and mindfulness to be amongst the crowd. And like everything in life, that wonderful magic word which we all know but it's, we struggle to find is balance. So why am I talking about this topic? Why are we addressing this topic of a lonely and the loneliness on Shavuot. Because we're told that on, the, on this incredible holiday, thousands of years ago, 3,300 years ago, when we received the Torah at Sinai, at that moment we became kol Yisrael arevim zelazeh. We became responsible for one another. We became intertwined into one another. We became part of one unit. And now we are interdependent, heaven forbid not codependent, that's not healthy, but we're not independent either. We're interdependent. In other words, we don't live lonely lives. We are one. We are one unit. And that's something worth delving into and questioning. What does it mean to be a person that at the one hand is their own independent unit, but at the other hand cannot divorce themselves from everyone else around them, that we are individuals within a larger group. As I mentioned earlier, most of us love gravitating to one extreme or to the other. So some of us love being an individual. The greatest claim to fame is I'm true to myself. I'm my own character. I have my own personality. I'm authentic to who I am. And usually it's said with this uh, nose going up a little bit, I'm totally authentic. Fine. Then there's the other extreme that we cannot get enough of crowd adulation and popularity. What do people think about me? And it's totally not about being authentic, but rather it's totally about being accepted. And those are two extremes. The absolute drive for 100% authenticity and the the drive, the 100% passion for acceptance. I don't think either of them are where truth lies and where our journey is supposed to find us. Uh, rather, this difficult balance between authenticity and acceptance. Because... You see it in the words of the sages. In these days, between Pesach and Shavuot, we learn ethics of the fathers, Pirkei Avot, and it says, Call me Shavuach Abrius Neichem Emenu. Whoever is accepted and pleasurable and, and loved by fellow human beings, Ruach HaMokim Neichem Emenu. God finds pleasure and acceptance in this person as well. And vice versa, if, if somebody is not accepted by their fellow human beings, they're not accepted by God. And yet that screams in the face of that wonderful word that individualistic people love screaming. And they say, I'm authentic. I don't care what people think. I have to be blunt. I have to share what I think. Who needs tact? Who needs to be accepted? I don't care what people think. But the truth is that often when we say that statement, I don't care what people think, it's not coming from a genuine place. It's just coming as a way to cover over the fact that we're not accepted by others because people don't like our behavior. As one person one time told me regarding the rabbinate, he says, a rabbi that's loved by everybody is not a rabbi, but a rabbi that's loved by nobody is not human. It's nishkein mensch. It's not a mensch. This idea, I'm totally authentic and I don't care what anyone says. Really? 
you don't care what anyone says, that's healthy? Is that the perspective that the Torah teaches us? The Torah has many statements like, to be pure and clean in the eyes of other people, be above suspicion, to be accepted, as we mentioned before, that God should accept you. People should like you. So, if life is all about authenticity, and that's all, that's the first commandment of being a human being, be true to yourself. I think that's dangerous. It's, first of all, it's counter to the Torah values, but it's actually dangerous, because what if at this moment I have the most ridiculous thought or fantasy, I'm going to start acting it out in public because I'm being authentic? As someone told me, madness is true authenticity. When we absolutely, you know, lose our sanity. I know Sue Jackson earlier today had an incredible show on, on this topic. But at the same time, we, we don't look towards madness as, as an aspiration. If unfortunately that's our struggle, we look to fight it through, but we don't see madness as an aspiration. And yet madness is pure authenticity. As is a child running around naked because they're being absolutely authentic. But what do we teach the child? We teach the child healthy shame. Hopefully not unhealthy shame, but modesty and respect and tact and appropriateness and manners. The Talmud tells us, When you go to a place, follow the manners of that place. But what do you mean? I'm being authentic. I'm being my own individual. I don't care. I don't care what the community standards are. It's incredible. Even within Jewish law, you see many circumstances that depending on the, on the place you live, the nuance of the law changes. Because if that is the accepted standard, that's okay. But if in another community that's not accepted standards, there's a thing called Pritzas Geder, breaking through a boundary, going against the communal standards, and therefore what can be 100% okay in one place is not okay in another because you cannot be, claim this wonderful word authenticity in all contexts. Yes! As we'll talk after the song, there's importance on the other extreme. It's not totally about being accepted and having no authenticity. But authenticity is, like everything else, needs to be balanced with the need for acceptance, with the need of being a communal member. Being aggressive because I'm being authentic. Being angry because that's my authenticity. Slamming the door because authentically I'm in a bad mood. Everyone accept it. I'm having a meltdown because I'm being authentic. That's ridiculous. I cannot be authentic in all circumstances. Sometimes authenticity is a curse. Because not always being authentic is, means that I'm acting out my best self. Sometimes my authentic self at that moment wants to act pathetic. So therefore I have to be authentic? No. I have to control my authenticity. So in the today's day and age where everything's about, I'm posting my life on Facebook, I'm, I'm vlogging and blogging every single day about my life and all my struggles and this and that, and I'm absolutely authentic. Boundaries is also important. Authenticity without boundaries is very dangerous. Authenticity without boundaries is very dangerous and could come back to haunt us. So yes, authenticity is important. But to what extent? We continue after this lovely song. This is a song that uh, I chose. It's called Together. And 
again, fitting the theme, I, the first theme I spoke about was the, the, the first song was Lonely People and the Curse of Loneliness, and now it's the gift of being part of the unity, togetherness. Here it is, Together by Yidl, 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Avtson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul. This is Soul to Soul. Talking about togetherness. In these challenging times, many people are under pressure, and for some it can all become too much. Who does one turn to? Chai FM will be starting a helpline later this year, and we are looking for compassionate, caring volunteers to train as call center counselors. If you have a background or an interest in counseling and you want to find out more, email helpline at chaifm.com. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of serving the community. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Apson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield, Shul, Soul to Soul, and we're talking about togetherness, aloneness, loneliness, etc. A beautiful song sung by Yidl, composed by Amy Rottenberg. Uh, it's actually originally a kid song on the Dr. Mido series, and I remember hearing it as a young child, and just what a beautiful song, where pretty much the Western Wall is talking to the people that come to it and saying, it's so lovely that you come and pray by me, but ultimately, until you guys cannot get along, we're not going to see the rebuilt temple. Please get along. It's like the Western Wall begging and saying, can you please taste the same unity? Can you find the same unity? that you found at Sinai. We stood together at Sinai. We stood as one. And what's fascinating is that today is the day that we stood as one. Today is Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the first day of the month of Sivan. And we're told that this is the day, in the words of the Torah and Parsha of Yisro, in the book of Exodus, where it says, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Keneged Ahar, and the Jewish people rested on the side of the mountain, across the mountain. And the word that the Torah uses, Vayichan, is a singular word, not a plural word. And we're talking about millions of people, and yet we say Vayichan in singular form. And here Rashi quotes the sages who said, Ke'ish echad echad. And until now, many of the, the, all the other stops had tar'omes or machlokas. They had fights and complaints. But this is the first time that all the people came around the mountain at one person with one heart. They all came together at one heart, and that's the incredible holiday of today. Rosh Chodesh Sivan, in many ways, is an incredible holiday because this is the time, for the first time in history, that as a nation, we touched unity, we felt one, we felt common purpose and common goal and common love. B'nai Av Echad, we are all children of the same Father, we are all the same. And that's why today is such an incredible day to talk about this idea of, on the one hand, as we spoke earlier, we all crave to be authentic. But authenticity without the need to be part of the crowd and somewhat of acceptance is dangerous. But on the other hand, this is where we want to go, the other hand, the, the balance of being a person of the community and being accepted and not being a total misfit is to find within the community authenticity. What I often find in the, you know, studying myself and the people around us is that some people are very afraid of becoming part of community. I'm not talking about necessarily shul community, but just the idea of being part of a social group, being part of belonging. They feel that they're going to have to lose part of themselves. 
every friendship you develop almost hurts your authenticity, right? Anyone that's married knows that the second you, you brought a spouse into your life, you cannot be 100% authentic. And yet, we all crave that relationship. We all crave to belong. We all crave to be united with somebody. You, you, you raise children in the home. You can't be 100% authentic in front of them. You have to parent them. You come into community setting. You can't be 100% authentic. And yet, to totally lose your identity within the communal setting is also dangerous. And that's not the definition of unity. As the sages say, we mentioned a moment ago, all Jews sat there with one heart. One heart, but not one brain. It's not as if that day when they stood around the mountain, they all started agreeing with each other. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. I never thought about it that way. You found the truth. No, 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 no. It's not as if they all agreed. Chances are they didn't agree on anything. And yet... They had one heart because we can still find community while being authentic. When our authenticity hurts our belonging, when our individuality gets in the way of our relationships, then that's not healthy. There are some people, like the world is made up of extremes. There are people that are too individualistic that they cannot belong. They can never get married. They can never belong to a community. But that's an exception. That's not something we aspire to. It exists, but that's not an aspiration. In the words of Hannah, the great uh, prophetess and, the, and mother of Samuel, who says, Hashem bless me with a child, Ish anashim, a person amongst people. I don't need a freak. I don't need someone that's totally out there. I don't want a misfit. If he's a misfit, then I'll obviously love him for who he or, he or she is. But I crave for somebody that can find their belonging within a communal setting. They can find their authenticity amongst people. They don't need to stand out like a sore thumb. And within communities, we find it. We find that there's so many people who within communities find their space and shine with their strengths and their colorfulness and their uniqueness and specialty. But without breaking the boundaries, they don't have to break down relationships. They don't have to break communities. Some people are so bent on being an individual that they'll smash everything in their way. They'll, they'll break all chains that surround them for the sake of, I'm free. I'm free. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. That's not freedom. No. Find freedom within the boundaries. And it's the same thing about religion. You know, Torah, Shavuot is a time that Torah was given to us. And we've spoken about this so many times, but it can never be repeated enough. And that is the concept that the idea that you'll find freedom once you break out of religion, once you break out of rules, is nonsense. That leads to chaos. Freedom is found within boundaries. Freedom is found within relationships. Somebody who's married is not less free than somebody who's not. Obviously, if they have a, a healthy, wholesome marriage. On the contrary, someone who has a child and has to wake up every night to put their baby to sleep is not less free than someone who doesn't have a child. Someone who has commitments and who has a job and holds down a job is not less free than someone that's unemployed. On the contrary... Unemployment isn't freedom. Boredom isn't freedom. 
Binge-watching isn't freedom. Loneliness isn't freedom. Lack of commitment isn't freedom. That's the ultimate slavery. That's loneliness. We're slave to difficult and ridiculous circumstances. We only find freedom within those so-called commitments, within those boundaries, within the bondage, if you want to use that word. Freedom is found, dafka within boundaries. Freedom is found when we take on responsibility. That's when we find freedom, we find happiness. Freedom and happiness are two sides of the same coin, they're the same thing. Meaning, freedom, happiness, purpose, they're all the same thing. And you cannot find meaning when you have no purpose, when you're not committed, when there's no boundaries, when there's no relationships, when there's nothing. Living alone in the forest is not freedom. I remember reading an an article about this family who's the most remote family on the planet. Maybe if you Google it, you'll find the article. They live in Alaska. And they live hundreds of miles away from any human being. They live literally them and the bears. Dad, mom, and son. And their life is mad. I just looked in, I I felt so bad. I mean, for the parents that chose the life for themselves, they're entitled. But for the poor boys, life is mad. I mean, but they're free. They have hundreds of miles. One month a year, they go down and they visit their family. I'm not sure, in Montana or one of the other states. Wyoming, I think. But 11 months of the year, they're in remote Alaska without seeing a human being, and all that they see, the only living form, is bears. And the dad warns the mother that if she ever gets a phone or any technology, he'll divorce her and she can go back to civilization because that's the life he wants. And so they live in true slavery. I think that's pure slavery. Pure loneliness. Slave to a pathetic lifestyle that they chose on themselves. And again, you're going to say, who am I to judge? You're right. But I'm not judging the person. I don't know the person's name. I'm judging the decision. The decision, such a decision to live in remoteness is not the purpose of life. Layla Tayu Bra, the Talmud says, the world was not created for chaos and nothingness. Elala Shavis Yitzar, but rather to settle and to build a life. That's why we're told to have children. That's why we're told to get married. That's why we're told to be part of community. La Shavis Yitzara, to civilize the world. Today it's become so popular to miss those fantastical days when we were all hunter-gatherers and we were small groups of 200 people foraging around in the forest looking like half-monkeys, blah, 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 blah. Whether it happened or didn't happen, discussion for another time. That was the fantasy. That's when the world was in absolute peace. We were in harmony with civilization. Us and the universe were in perfect harmony. Us and the animals, everything was fantastic. Now again, I'm not saying that civilization and modern civilization is pure goodness. There is terrible damage that we do to the world and we have to be more responsible to the world. It's one of the commandments in the Torah, Baltashkas, don't destroy God's world. But on the other hand, to have this fantasy that when we were a bunch of nomads running around in the, in the wild, eating berries off trees, and that's when everything was fantastic, and civilization is a curse, and living amongst technology is a curse, that's pathetic and ungrateful for all the blessings that life has given us. 
We belong amongst people. In the words of Maimonides, Ha'adam hu medini. The human being is a social creature. We live amongst people. We are, we belong civilized. We belong living in cultures and societies and heritage and recipes. And we belong in that world. That's not an abnormality. That is the point. Lashevis Yitzara. That is what we are living. And yes, I, I just got a text that says, anonymous, you're still judging. Interesting comment, because um, I, as I was mentioning before, I was talking about that family that chose in Alaska to make a decision. So, dear anonymous, here's what I'll tell you. I disagree that judging somebody's decision is judgmental. I think judging someone's decision is the only way you discover what's right and what's wrong. In other words, if I judge you, I think you're a bad person for what you've done, and you think I'm a bad person for what I've done, that's judgmental. But when I can sit there saying, in my opinion, that that decision is wrong. For example, you're walking down the street and you see somebody screaming at his spouse and beating, you know, giving them a clap, hitting them. If you say, that's disgusting, that's abnormal, that's animalistic. Are you being judgmental? No. But if I say you're an animal, that's judgmental. In other words, I can separate the act from the person and sit there saying, hey, dude, don't you do that. That is bad behavior. To say you're bad is judgmental. So when I'm saying that those three fellows in Alaska, I disagree with their decision, I don't think they're idiots. I don't think they're bad people. I don't know them. And, I, and I, again, I don't label people. But can I say, do I have a right to say without being judgmental that their decision is wrong? Yes. That's the only way we discover right or wrong in this world. That's the only way we know what to make decisions is to look at history, to look at other people, to look at ourselves and to sit there discovering and saying what's right or what's wrong. That's not judgmental. At least that's my opinion on judgment. You'll, f you'll feel free to have your opinion on what judgment is. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Rabbi Levi Afton here on Soul to Soul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. Okay, spend 100 or more at the Pick and Pay Kosher Deli or Kosher Bakery. And stand the chance to win. First prize is a 1,000 Rand Pick and Pay gift card. Second prize is a 500 Rand Pick and Pay gift card. All you have to do is write your name and contact details on the back of your till slip and drop your slip off in the box at the information counter. Draw will take place this coming Thursday, 6th of June. Okay, so now I have a text that says not from the non. This is from Warren, who says, have to agree with Anonymous. You exactly are judging what they are doing. Okay, Warren, if we're going to get into semantics, yes, judging somebody's behavior is very different than being judgmental. Um, if we're going to use the word judging, I think it's discerning. It's just trying to find, navigate truth. So if that's the case, judging a behavior then being judgmental is not a bad thing as long as you're not judging people, in my opinion. Judging behavior is, again, the only way we discover truth. And I, I, I want to talk about this because the fact that I got two comments on this, I think it's worth exploring. It's something that I deeply believe, and that is that we spoke about throughout the show the two different extremes. The One extreme is when people, in this context, is people will say, I'm accepting of everything and everyone and every, every decision. And the other extreme is I'm judgmental of everyone, of everything, or judgmental of people. In other words, I'm judgmental or you're not judgmental, as if there's two kinds of people. 
But both are dangerous. I think we spoke about this in the show a while ago. They're both dangerous. Being judgmental and non-judgmental are both wrong. The only balance is in the words we said it this morning in the davening, in Shachris, at the end of the, the morning service, uh, because today was Rosh Chodesh, we said the words, Yitamu may sins be eradicated from the face of the earth. And in the words of Bruria, the, the wife of Rameir in the Talmud, she says, it only says, may sins be eradicated. It does not say, may sinners be eradicated. It says, chataim and not chotim, not chaitim. So there's the ability to discern between the sin, the act, and the sinner, the person. So that extreme, the two extremes that said are saying, I'm not judgmental of anything, or I am judgmental of everything, they're both wrong. We have to be able to be judgmental of actions. Otherwise, we can't say anything's wrong. I can't say the Nazis are wrong. I can't say ISIS is wrong. I can't say being unfaithful is wrong. I can't say anything is wrong. Because I'm being judgmental. I can't say anything's right. So if I believe faith is right, I believe loyalty and fidelity is right, I believe um, don't steal is the correct way to live. So the second I sit there saying somebody that steals is wrong, no, 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 you're being judgmental. No, that's not being judgmental. That's being discerning. That's being able to sit there saying, I can divide between the person and the act. I can look and sit there saying that act is wrong. But it doesn't mean that person is wrong. That person made a mistake. It doesn't mean that person is a mistake. And that is the danger, actually, when, we, we, when we're uncomfortable to name something as right or wrong. That is relative mor- moralism, relative morality. I can't say anything's right or wrong. How can I know if bombing people is wrong? Putting the ki- if, you know, children at the f- front line of fire like Hamas does, I can't objectively say it's wrong. Why can't you say it's wrong? That's ridiculous. How can a person live in a world without the ability of discerning? And we're talking here a few days before Shavuot, when God came and gave the Ten Commandments, and God said, don't steal. If you steal, that's wrong. I'm not being judgmental when I say it's wrong. It's wrong. I'm being discerning. I'm being able to separate. To separate between good and mundane, between good and bad. The second day, we're told that God created the world in six days. What did God create in the second day? Have Mavdil. He created the, the separation. The separation between the skies and the earth. Between the two waters. And what the sages tell us, he also taught us that the, the second thing to learn after the first day, the first day was the message of creating light. Being a positive influence. And the second message, right after knowing that you have to create light, what's the second message? Know how to separate. Know how to discern. Know the difference between light and darkness. And from the youngest age, what do we try to teach our children? We teach our children the difference between right and wrong. Now, when you tell a child that acting naughty is wrong, you're not being judgmental. You're educating. When your kid's having a tantrum in the store and you sit there saying... I can't objectively say if it's right or wrong, so I'm not going to mix in. My kid's expressing himself or herself. They're being authentic. Whenever I hear parents say that, I try not to be judgmental to parents. I'm a human being. But I often, like, what do you mean the kid's being authentic? Right now they're disturbing the whole store. They're disturbing the whole environment. And you're claiming, you're screaming authenticity? 
you can't objectively say that what the child is doing right now is inappropriate. The kid's entitled to scream, but not in public. So if they're in public, figure out a way how to get them in private and either calm them down or let them scream, but they're in private. But connecting to what we said earlier, this craving for, I'm authentic. I'm authentic. No. When God gave us the Torah at, the, at Sinai, he, the first message he tells us is, there is right and there is wrong. And that's the only way you'll live. There is no such a thing as everything's relative. That's not true. Not everything's relative. There are things that are objectively wrong. And there are things that are objectively right. And who decides that God and God himself? Us, the human beings, we're subjective. So therefore, I can't just sit there making up what's right and what's wrong because every day I'll change my mind and look at society. That's what we do. Every day we change our mind. And that's why a society that decides that it can decide what morality is, is pathetic. Because every day we change our mind. Did you see that piece of news? I think I mentioned it last week. They just discovered that the world is not 14 billion years old, 13.8 billion years old. It's 1 billion less. Well, that changes. Oh, and then the other piece of news is that two professors from Oxford decided that there should be able to be post-birth abortions. They're still calling it abortions, not murder, post-birth abortions, because the child's not fully formed. So pretty much morality and facts and scientific facts are constantly changing all the time. And if that's what we're basing our morality on, that's, that's ridiculous. Objective truth, and that's what the Torah gave us, objective truth. This is right. Saying the truth. Being honest. Being faithful. Faith. Not lying under oath. Not being jealous. Those are the good. And on the other extreme, what's bad? When a person can have that core, that foundation of faith, that there are principles that are beyond subjective and moral relativism, beyond my subjective feelings, that is the gift of Sinai. Because in a world that seems every day to change what's right and what's wrong, in a world that cannot make up its mind what, what it should fight for and what it should stand up for, in a world that cannot name a monster for what a monster is and name evil for what evil is, I feel so blessed to believe that 3,300 years ago on a mountain, God revealed himself to all, of, all human beings, to all of us, and told us the statements, this is right and this is wrong. And then to be able to guide my life as much as I can and obviously fail at times, but to aspire to lead my life to the objective truths of right and wrong according to God's will. Is that judgmental? Your call. Would love to hear your thoughts. Hopefully I'll be able to read them next week. I'll be back here next week. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, Rabbi Levi Afsin, wishing you Shabbat Shalom, a great Shabbos, Chag Sameach, an incredible Chag as Shavuot comes this Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos, and in the traditional blessing, may I bless you that we should receive the Torah, receive the messages of Torah, Kabbalah, Satorah, Besimcha, with joy, Bipnimius, and internalize it to make it part of our lives, and to truly allow the objective truth and the, and the, the holiness of Torah to guide our lives and to lead us to the path of happiness, peace, and truly the life of redemption. Shavuot Tov and Chak Sameach.